Hello, this is Father John Arthur Orr, Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 11th program on Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. We're going over the text composed by Pope John Paul II, delivered by him between September of 1979 and November of 1984. We're using the edition edited by Professor Michael Waldstein. The Meaning of Original Nakedness One can say that the analysis of the first chapters of Genesis forces us in some way to reconstruct the constitutive elements of man's original experience. In this sense, the Yahwist text is by its own character a special source. When we speak of original human experiences, we have in mind not so much their distance in time as rather their foundational significance. The important thing, therefore, is not that these experiences belong to man's prehistory, to his theological prehistory, but that they are always at the root of every human experience. That is true even though in the unfolding of ordinary human existence we pay little attention to these essential experiences. Indeed, they are so interwoven with the ordinary things of life that we generally do not realize their extraordinary character. Based on the analysis carried out so far, we have already been able to realize that what we have previously called revelation of the body helps us in some way to discover the extraordinary nature of what is ordinary. That is possible because revelation, the, revel the original revelation which has found expression, first in the Yahwist account of Genesis chapters 2 and 3, and then in the text of Genesis 1 takes into consideration precisely such primordial experiences that show in a nearly complete way the absolute originality of what the male-female human being is, inasmuch as he or she is human, that is, also through the body. The human experience of the body, as we discover it in the biblical text quoted above, is certainly located on the threshold of all later historical experience. Nevertheless, this experience also seems to rest on an ontological depth that is so great that man does not perceive it in his own daily life, even if, at the same time, he presupposes it in some way and postulates it as part of the process of the formation of his own image. Without such an introductory reflection, it would be impossible to define the meaning of original nakedness and to take up the analysis of Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 which says, Now both were naked, the man and his wife, but they did not feel shame. At first sight, the introduction of this detail, apparently a secondary one, may seem unsuited and misplaced. 
One might think that this passage cannot compare with what the preceding verses speak about, and that it is in some way out of context. Such a judgment, however, cannot stand up to a deeper analysis. In fact, Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 presents one of the key elements of the original revelation, just as decisive as the other elements of the text. Genesis chapter 2 verses 20 and 23, that have already allowed us to determine the meaning of man's original solitude and original unity. To these, one must add as a third element the meaning of original nakedness, which is clearly highlighted in the context. In the first biblical sketch of anthropology, it is not something accidental. On the contrary, it is precisely the key for understanding it fully and completely. Shame, a boundary experience. Precisely this element of the ancient biblical text evidently makes a specific contribution to the theology of the body that absolutely cannot be left out of consideration. Further analysis will confirm this point. Before turning to them, however, I allow myself to observe that precisely the text of Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 expressly demands that we link the reflections on the theology of the body with the dimension of man's personal subjectivity. It is in this sphere, in fact, that consciousness of the meaning of the body unfolds. Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 speaks about this in a much more direct way than other parts of this Yahwist text that we have already defined as the first record of human consciousness. The statement according to which the first human beings, the man and the woman, were naked but still did not feel shame, undoubtedly describes their state of consciousness, or even better, their reciprocal experience of the body. That is, the man's experience of the femininity that reveals itself in the nakedness of the body, and reciprocally, the analogous experience of masculinity by the woman. By affirming they did not feel shame, the author intends to describe this reciprocal experience with the greatest precision possible for him. One can say that this type of precision mirrors a fundamental experience of man in the common and pre-scientific sense, but it also corresponds to the demands of anthropology, and in particular of contemporary anthropology, which likes to draw on so-called fundamental experiences such as the feeling of shame. When we allude here to the precision of the account that was possible for the author of the Yahweh's text, we are led to consider the degrees of experience of historical man, who is burdened by the inheritance of sin, which nevertheless have their point of departure from the point of view of method, in the state of original innocence. We observed earlier that by appealing to the beginning, which 
we are here submitting to a series of contextual analyses, Christ indirectly establishes the idea of continuity and connection between the two states, thereby allowing us to go back, as it were, from the threshold of man's historical sinfulness to his original innocence. Precisely, Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, asks us in a particular way to cross that threshold. It is easy to see how this passage, together with the meaning of original nakedness expressed in it, fits into the whole context of the Yahwist narrative. In fact, a few verses later, the same author writes, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they realized that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. The adverb then indicates a new moment and a new situation that followed the breaking of the first covenant. It is a situation that comes after the failure of the test connected with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was at the same time the first test of obedience, that is, of hearing the word in all its truth, and of accepting love according to the fullness of the demands of the creative will. This new moment or new situation also brings with it a new content and a new quality the experience of the body, so that one can no longer say they were naked, but did not feel shame. Thus, shame is not only one of man's original experiences, but is also a boundary experience. The difference of formulations that separates Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, from Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, is thus significant. In the first case... They were naked, but did not feel shame. In the second case, they realized that they were naked. Does this mean that at first they did not realize that they were naked? That they did not reciprocally see the nakedness of their bodies? The significant transformation witnessed to by the biblical text concerning the experience of shame, about which Genesis speaks again, particularly in chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, takes place on a level that is deeper than the pure and simple use of the sense of sight. A comparative analysis of Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 and Genesis chapter 3 necessarily leads to the conclusion that it is not a question of passing from not knowing to knowing, but of a radical change in the meaning of the original nakedness, of the woman before the man, and of the man before the woman. This change emerges from their consciousness as a fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Genesis chapter 3 verse 11. This change directly concerns the experience of the meaning of one's own body before the Creator and creatures. That is confirmed later by the man's words, I heard the sound of your steps in the garden, and I was afraid, because I am naked, and I hid myself. Genesis chapter 3, 
verse 10. In particular, this change, which the Yahwist text outlines in such a concise and dramatic way, concerns directly, perhaps, in the most direct way possible, the relation between man and woman, between femininity and masculinity. We will have to return to the analysis of this transformation in other parts of our further analyses. Now that we have reached the boundary that cuts across the sphere of the beginning to which Christ appealed, we must ask ourselves whether we can in some way reconstruct the original meaning of nakedness, which constitutes the proximate context in Genesis of the doctrine of the unity of the human being as male and female. This seems possible if we take as a point of reference the experience of shame, as it is clearly presented in the ancient biblical text, namely, as a threshold experience. We will attempt such a reconstruction in the following meditations. With these words, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, concluded his 11th Catechesis on Man and Woman, He Created Them, a Theology of the body. The first ten or so catechesis or presentations were kind of setting the stage. Now he's reminding us of the original experience, not only of being a creature, of being unlike all the other creatures, recognizing another self, at last this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, the experience of consciousness, Adam and Eve, the first parents, their experiences of this, being unlike any of the other beings on the face of the earth, but then this new experience, first being naked without shame, and then being afraid and hiding themselves. These are original experiences. Once we attain the age of reason ourselves, we're conscious we have an awareness. Even before the age of reason, when you see a young infant who finally figures out that those things at the end of his legs are connected, those are his toes, those are her feet, and the whole package, it's an original experience for that individual. The first time you see a sunset or climb a mountain, hear the song of a certain bird, these are experiences, and we have each of us an original experience the first time I saw the sunset, the first time I climbed this mountain. Pope John Paul II is not only speaking about our individual experiences and our original experiences, but he's also speaking to us, teaching us about the original human experience, so the experience of the first couple in whom the future of humanity rested, for good or for ill. Pope John Paul II draws our attention to ordinary human experience. So, hearing the song of a songbird, or seeing a sunrise or a sunset, or climbing a mountain, listening to a podcast or a radio program, reading a book, having a meal, these are ordinary experiences. Can they be understood? Can they be known? Can they be communicated? The answer to these questions is yes, yes, 
yes. Pope John Paul II draws our attention not only to the original experience each of us will have and the original human experience of our first parents or ordinary human experience, but primordial experiences. Again, referring back to the origins of the race, to the beginning, this part of the Holy Father's presentation on man and woman, he created them, a theology of the body, is a reference back to Christ himself who referred to the beginning. Christ appeals to the beginning, what is meant by the beginning, the meaning of original solitude, the meaning of original unity. And now, Pope John Paul II is focusing our attention on the meaning of original nakedness. What does it mean? Meaning is important. There are some in our day and age who will say, it doesn't mean anything. We can't know what anything means. Do they mean what they say when they say we cannot know the meaning of something? Do you see the bad logic there? Pope John Paul II draws our attention to the human experience of the body. You who hear my voice, I, as I am speaking, we have experience of our bodies which the animals do not have. They have the experience of being puppy dogs or kitty cats or birds of the air or fish of the sea. They do not have the experience of being a human being, even as we do not have an experience of their animality. We have sensation, they have sensation. There is similarity, but there is difference. Our consciousness, our ability to know, to understand, to communicate in a high level, this is a difference. The human experience of the body, to hear the cry of a child, what mother's heart is not affected, to feel the warm embrace, experience of the body. Pope John Paul II likewise draws our attention to historical experience. Personally, myself, when was I born? That is a beginning of historical experience in my life. When did you first hear the sound of my voice? That is a historical experience. When did you first know there was a bishop in Rome? That's a historical experience. They've been there for 2,000 years, give or take a week. Historical experience. So often there is a fixation in the modern age of historicity. Well, we have it too. We're not afraid of history. Christ our Lord was born in time, born of a woman born under the law. Pontius Pilate was ruling the land. Herod the Tetrarch too. Caesar was in Rome. You want history? There's some history for you. Pope John Paul II, in this 11th Catechesis, points out that shame is one of man's original experiences. Shame is also a boundary experience. Before, originally, naked without shame. After, naked with shame. We hid ourselves. We covered ourselves. Who told you? You ate from the tree of knowledge. It's a boundary experience. Things are changed. Things are different after the fall. So the Pope points out to us that the original meaning of original nakedness has changed as a consequence of the fall of shame. This is a big deal to change meaning. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is from the evil one. This is the teaching of Christ in the gospel. But if the meaning of yes was changed to no and no to yes, it changes a whole lot of context, doesn't it? Naked without shame. 
naked with shame. There's a change. A changed experience of the meaning of one's own body. My body for myself and my body for the other. The wife's body for herself and for her husband. A changed experience of the meaning of one's own body. Consequence of the fall. That's where the change enters in. And it's not a change for the better. Although at the vigil of Easter we will say, O happy fault, O necessary sin which gained for us so great a Redeemer, Christ who came to change our sorry state, our fallen state, into a redeemed state. That is change for the better. That is a divine oikonomia, the divine economy, the exchange, our sins for God's grace and mercy. That's a changed experience, redeemed not just in my soul, but in my body. And the same is true for you. Experience of shame, Pope John Paul II points out to us in this 11th Catechesis, is a point of reference for reconstructing the original meaning of nakedness. We lived post-factum. We live after the fact of the fall. We live in the time, historically speaking, of shameful nakedness, our concupiscence, our tendency to sin, to covet, to lust, to have a disordered sexual attraction, a redeemed gaze. The way we look upon each other is not a disordered one, but one which sees in the other another self. The Holy Father seeks to reconstruct the original meaning of original nakedness, not in order to go back to the garden, we can never return, but to see the way we should look with God's grace to God's glory and our salvation. Shame, in this sense, is a threshold experience. These are the original talks, 1970. Nine, But our Holy Father, later in his papacy, would even write a book to the whole world, crossing the threshold of hope. Ad limina apostolorum, to the threshold of the apostles. What happened on that Passover night, when the lintels of the door were covered with the blood of the Lamb? The threshold is key. A passage. Who is the gate? Who is the way? Christ Jesus, our Lord, who appealed to the beginning by his words and by his deeds. He reminds us that we are unlike any other creature on the face of the earth, made for God himself, made to be in communion, a communion of persons. Male and female, he created them, husband and wife, the origin of the family. And God made us naked without shame. May the Lord strengthen us all in our resolve to be saints in our resolve to be pure of heart, in our resolve to seek the truth and to know the truth and to live and love the truth. God has taught us to say the truth in love. This is what we are about. This is why our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, gave his 133 talks, 129 delivered and the others uh, published, so that we might know the truth which sets us free. In our next presentation, we will continue going over this aspect of the meaning of original nakedness. It's good for us to remember where we've been in order to appreciate where we're going together with Pope John Paul II in this study of 
man and woman, he created them with theology of the body. We began by remembering Christ appealed to the beginning. And so we approach the beginning as it is found in the first book of sacred scripture, the book named Genesis, which means the beginning. We had the first creation account, and we had the second creation account, one where Adam is created first, one where Adam and Eve are created together. Either way, reciprocal dignity, both fully human, both made for communion. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, we see another self in the other human being. All of this reminding us of the importance of the body. Christ assumed a body like us in all things but sin. He died in his body, but he rose in his body to redeem our bodies. We were reminded of the meaning of original solitude, how unlike any other creature on the face of the earth is the human creature, the human being. The first man looked around, he saw all the other creatures, and he saw that there was none like himself, until he saw his mate, till he saw his bride, till he saw her who is the mother of all the living, Eve. We search for our understanding. We search for what it means to be a human being. What is my very existence? I am a subject. I am an individual. And I am alone amongst all the other beings. My body has meaning. There is meaning in the world. We can know things. The truth will set us free. That's why Pope John Paul II began these presentations and saw them to their completion that he might remind us of these primordial truths, these foundational truths about our very being, and how even the redemption is promised in these things. There is a difference, an alternative between death and immortality. Death, the separation of body and soul. But immortality, the soul lives on, and there's a promise for eternal life, life on high with Christ. Christ not explicitly yet mentioned in the beginning, in the opening passages of sacred scripture, but all the scripture is written in view of his coming among us, his incarnation. Not only did the Holy Father teach us about the beginning and about original solitude, but also about the original unity of the race, the unity of the two, this man for this woman. And now he gives us these inspiring words on original nakedness, naked without shame. Shame is a boundary experience, before shame, after shame, before the fall, after the fall. Now we live after the redemption. That's a different boundary experience. In our next program, we will go over the attempted reconstruction of original nakedness, participation in the visibility of the world, the inner dimension of vision, and that'll bring us to the conclusion of the 12th Catechesis. Until next time, know how much God loves you. God loves you so much that he not only created you, but he has redeemed you by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his only Son, in whom we are adopted sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, by grace and faith and baptism. Be assured of our prayers for you at Holy Ghost Catholic Church. We worship the one true God day and night with morning prayer at 6 a.m., Monday through Friday, the Holy Mass at 6.30 in the morning, and 
8 a.m. in the morning, and evening prayer at 5.30, Monday through Friday, and a full schedule of Masses on the weekends, 6.30 a.m., 8 a.m., 7 p.m. in Spanish, 7 a.m. on Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Sunday morning, 11.30 Sunday morning, 1.30 in the afternoon on Sunday in Latin language, 3.30 in the Byzantine Ruthenian Rite, and 6 p.m. in English once again. We worship God. It would be wonderful if you would join us. Until next time, God bless you.